Welcome to Clear the Dance Floor here on Radio Free Brooklyn with me, your host, Colby Smith, here on Independent Listener Supported Radio. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Our number is 718-673-8201. That's 718-673-8201. If you'd like to call in at any point during the program, and I certainly suggest you do so. But in the meantime, my guest today is the VP of Digital at Harper's Magazine, and her writing on film has appeared in The New York Times, Sight and Sound, The Village Voice, Reverse Shot, Criterion's The Current, at Metrograph.com, and many others. She's also a member of the New York Film Critics Circle, and we're thrilled to have her on the show today. Violet Luca is here. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, never, I thought I was going to be out of breath No. this <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it because it's radio, but I'm blushing. I'm yeah, just yeah. Re- red as a beat right now. <laughs> that byline. <Yeah. laughs> like I came, I came from nothing to do something, so I have to be like, all right, a little flex, yeah, a little exactly. flex once in a while. Yeah, flex. for sure, for sure. Fun. I mean, as far as as far as like uh, uh, places where people go to read about movies, I feel like these are the major ones. Yeah, yeah. Somehow that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, particularly, let's talk about Reverse Shot for a second, because I imagine that you, as as, as someone who is like, you know, a New York-based film person, that uh, Reverse Shot is one that you've been reading for a while, no? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And Michael Michael Koreski is really great. Um, I will try not to do the thing where I just say the person's first name. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, but no, you know, and they always have such um, the quality of the editing and the quality of the criticism itself is always really refreshing mm-hmm. so yeah no i was reading that i i remember when i first moved to new york it was just like the village voice when it was the era of melissa anderson yeah nathan lee nick pinkerton nick Rapold's writing yeah their reviews and so it was just like unbelievable every week just amazing writing <laughs> oh yeah and of course jay Rim was like the lead critic he's great too oh yeah um so it was it was a very fertile time yeah absolutely criticism. absolutely and i mean w- the length too on these is like it's so great once you yeah. lock in with an article you just like don't want it to end and i feel like reverse <laughs> shot and village voice too are, are some of those places that they just they just let them cook yes you know <laughs> No, that's the thing. It's like that's the ideal place you want to write for, where you can somebody will pull you in from your worst uh, impulses, but also yes. let you cook. They'll show you like, all right, add salt now. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I would love to start uh, uh, the show today, Violet, by asking you about the the first piece of yours that I uh, came into uh, contact with, which was uh, your writing about uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. Oh yeah. For film comment, <laughs> uh, do you want to set this up at all for the folks listening? Uh, uh well. Well, I've always been really interested in David Lynch as like a holistic artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does really amazing paintings and sculptural pieces. And he makes a lot of the props and things on his own films. If, if anyone out there has seen the bonus stuff for Inland Empire, you yeah. know how, and also the quinoa thing, you know how amazing <laughs> he is as an artist artist. And, you know, um, so I, for this piece, I was sort of connecting things from Twin Peaks Return mm. to his visual art and sort of that body of work. Because it's it's quite extensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he just never 
It's tops. It's, yeah. It's one of the coolest things. I mean, oh, I look, I know it's kind of cliche to be a talk show out of Brooklyn talking about David Lynch here, but Sorry. I mean, you truly, <laughs> you can't give the guy too much credit, I feel. Yes, I would. I, I'm sorry. Big, big surprise woman with green hair. <laughs> it's like, oh, issues girl got on the radio. Time to talk about David Lynch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no. Funny. Um, yeah, no, no. But but to bring it back to what you were saying is like there. There's a uh, a moment from the extras that like the DVD extras for Twin Peaks: The Return where he's like mixing up the the stuff that's like you know that like portal in the woods. Yeah, where he's just like. He like sends a PA out to get like uh, like some kind of cement from like a home goods store, and they like didn't have the brand he wanted. He's like, no, no, it's got to be this brand. That's the only thing that's going to make it the gray I well, want. It's just the- like name another director that would be that involved. And uh, I mean, you know, there are others, I'm sure, but uh, well, because I mean, the the thing with Lynch is that you know he got his start with this, you know. With a razor head, right? Yeah. Which was this total, it could not, the cliche, could not happen today. But it was really like, he was failing out of the AFI. They sort of let him use all these props. He was like living on this hat for part of the time. He was making all of this stuff for the film. Yeah. And, you know, when you mention like the wrong concrete or whatever, like he's obsessed with texture and like all these really sculptural things and you know depth of field in a way i don't think a lot of other mm-hmm. filmmakers are and especially not the filmmakers who try and like copy him like oh, whatever yeah. there's nothing worse than like a bad lynch imitation <laughs> yes. so are there any that you're thinking of when you say that <laughs> <laughs> well because i think there's a famous example right which is natural born killers ah yes, <laughs> ah, yes. yeah there's that um there are the people Oh God! The people who did Lynch one, the director. There was like a documentary oh, about him. Right. Let's see again. This is just big surprise. I've seen this documentary, <laughs> and I'm still angry about it all these years later. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, even the it's funny that we're talking about the DVD extras, not something, but even the <laughs> Twin Peaks the Return stuff is like it's kind of done in this. Like they occasionally they'll break in with like this narration that's like the man with the gray elevated hair. And it's like. <laughs> to say lynch yeah <laughs> it's it's fine you don't have to dress it up it's fine <laughs> yeah seriously yeah no but he but it, it's so true where it's just like uh it, bringing it back to your piece you know it's like a, one of the things that you you give a nice appreciation to is how lo-fi a lot of the effects are in that yeah. uh show which is i mean it's through all of his his work yeah no there's there's this real interest in like electricity and wind and i remember i read this interview with him like years and years and years ago where he talked about how he came to visit his grandmother or his grandparents in Brooklyn. And he was just mm-hmm. so afraid of the subway yeah. and the idea of the train coming through in the wind. And then it, knowing that, and then you see sort of how he creates terror. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, he's just recreating that yeah. for everybody. Yeah. But in a way that's, you know, taking that childlike fear and those elements and really making them pop. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you always been a fan? Is this, is this somebody who you like locked in <laughs> with right away? Cause I'll admit that I was slow on the, uh, the uptake there. Well, so when I was in high school, that's when I started getting it, getting into movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I went to see, so this was, this was a great time for a uh, idiot movie going. So I went to see, um, uh, Mulholland Drive in the theater. Oh, nice. When nice. I was like 16. And then I think that was around the time I also saw Eyes Wide Shut in the yeah. theater. Yeah. <laughs> Great one two punch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was a little confused. I remember this guy was walking out 
any sort of, I was just sitting there watching the credits to see if there was anything else. And this guy, an adult man comes over to me. It's just like, I think it's something with the names. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was, but no, I, um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to act like I, you know, it's not like, oh yeah, I was so precocious. I got it. But, but I definitely did get, you know, as I learned more about film and sort of like, you know, obviously something like Blue Velvet. Yeah. That's something anybody can connect to. And then you work up to this other stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of how you can... It's it's really... I think it's rare for to see a, a director whose work you kind of have to, like, immerse yourself in and kind of get um, into the world of to see that progression. For sure. But, yeah, yeah. 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 Mah- Mulholland Drive is the one for me that the first time I saw it, I felt physically sick. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with the like the onslaught of just brutality that ends that it's like you know it's like a twenty minute montage of just like how horrible Naomi Watts life is. Yeah, I was like, oh god, <laughs> I yes. hate this. But then I like couldn't stop thinking about it. It was like it just stuck in my brain. Oh yeah, after that, no. and so many of them are like that for me. I think for probably a lot of other people. Yeah, as well. absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a fave? Uh, I can't pick among my children who's my favorite, um, even though they're not my children. Uh, right, right. <laughs> my cousins. Um, I mean, it's hard. I think it kind of changes. I mean, Twin Peaks Return yeah. itself was just so amazing. And again, it's something that literally doubled his filmography. Yeah. <laughs> Over the course of what should and what was the worst summer where it was Donald Trump like the yeah. first semester or semester first yeah. summer that he was in office <laughs> and then every sunday night you would turn on the tv and just have your mind blown yes and so that was i mean i think i think in just in terms of how surprising it was mm-hmm. and what he's doing with the the text itself you know the the text of twin peaks let's yeah. say i think that's probably my favorite even yeah. though again oh, yeah. it's hard to i mean i don't know no for sure i mean i don't know how you feel about uh about tv uh mm-hmm. but i feel like this was the last time that i in terms of like being super into a show that i like thought about all week and couldn't wait until the next episode you know i think this is the last time yeah. that I and i've liked shows since then you know uh but that was the last one i feel like that was the last hurrah yeah for, <laughs> for, for tv as like a weekly artistic uh, experiment. Yeah, I mean, I'll say um, Righteous Gemstones is amazing. It's so great. On a visual (laughs) level, you know, these action things, just like the stuff that it's making fun of, even the way that like... um, um, I don't know. Now I can't remember his name. Curly hair guy mullet. Oh, uh, Danny McBride. Danny McBride's wife on the show, just the way she sort of pronounces words and her whole demeanor is just such a perfect imitation of that type of like Southern Christian woman. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I wasn't thinking about it when it wasn't on. Right. You know, right, I was right. excited for it, but you're, t- I think you're totally right where they're, you know, I don't know. There gotta be more comedies. They have to, they totally. have to go back to the bank and kind of re- renegotiate that. Cause I, I'm a big fan of comedy. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Violet, this leads me right into another one of the pieces of yours <laughs> I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was maybe in the same year as the as the Twin Peaks one. Uh, yeah, you know, just you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Your your takedown of uh, <laughs> of studio comedies in like the yeah. in like the early years of the Trump era. Yeah, well, yeah it was yeah. like Obama. It was like Obama era things, and so because the thing with film is that it's not you know 
Film is slower to react, yeah. right? Because yeah. TV is on this insane schedule that you just got to crank it out. And movies, they take a lot of money. They take a lot of time to make. And so the it was sort of slowly, slow to react to a lot of things. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that piece was just sort of being like, why does everyone live in a mansion? And yeah. it's like post-2008 financial crisis. This is <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very toothless, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. It, it was it was interesting because like it, in my prep for for having you on, I like revisited this uh, uh, this essay, and I was like, man, there really were a lot of comedies then. It's like yeah. it's completely. I mean, this is not a, a groundbreaking observation. Lots of people have have, uh, have written about this, but just the complete disappearance of of uh, the comedy movie that's not like a action romp. Yeah. Uh, also, I think it's so fucking serious. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I get it. I get it. The world's bad. But could we get, like, a reprieve? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a li- there's a glimmer of hope, though. You know, mm. we've got this Jennifer Lawrence sex comedy coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to change everything. Yes. I'm rubbing my hands together like a praying mantis. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't even remember. That movie, the, the, there's, like, a pun title. Do you remember? Oh, I like can't even think of what no, it is. No, I don't. <laughs> it's too painful. It's like because the thing with like Danny McBride and like that whole crew is that they had this movie ready to go. Yeah, where it's um the Gemstone sister mm-hmm. and she the actress who's amazing. Um, she and Danny McBride had written this again. I apologize for not knowing her name. Had written <laughs> this um amazing screenplay where it was. Her as like a stage mom from yeah. the South going to like LA for the first time. And it was just like her going nuts yeah. for two hours and <laughs> they couldn't find funding. Yeah. Which is so sad. It's crazy that he couldn't find funding. That, funding. I mean, that's, that's a like, thing, right? Because yeah. there's so many people who should be able to find mm. funding. And that's across, you know, not just, <laughs> oh, boohoo, poor white man, <laughs> poor straight white man who can't get the funding. But it's like across the board, there are a lot of people who, you know, um, I actually heard that it has something to do with, or at least in the United States, mm-hmm. there's a change in like money laundering rules. So <laughs> that's why okay, a lot of the middle, middle budget, you know, Scorsese, you know, he's going out hat in hand. And so yeah. you put two and two together on that one. <laughs> please let me de-age Robert De Niro, please, sir. <laughs> please let me put Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, <laughs> and Al Pacino in, the mov- in a movie together. And then everybody loves Raymond is going to be there, too. Oh, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was so good. He was great. Did you like that movie? Oh, I loved it. Me too. <laughs> I haven't, you know, revisited it since uh, since then. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I went to see it in the Broadway theater that it was. Oh, wow. So just like the most uncomfortable setting to see a movie in <laughs> I've maybe ever experienced. Oh, my God. But yeah. uh, it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, it was depressing. <laughs> yeah. But it was also fun. <laughs> it, I mean, it was depressing. Yeah. <laughs> The experience of seeing it, though, I, I think was fun, just for, oh, yeah. for how unique it was. Yeah, you know? you're, like, a really immersed in a world in a mm. way that movies really can't anymore. Yeah. Where I felt like I was really, tra- that's such a cliche, <laughs> I was transported. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was! And no, also, it's sure. like, obviously, there was a familiarity with that time. You know, like, it's not like I'm coming to this, like, an alien from outer space being like, well, what what happened with the <laughs> 1950s American uh, uh, labor, labor right. shenanigans? But still, it was just like, it felt so 
fully realized. Mm-hmm. And it was it was great to spend all that time. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question now that uh, I'm going to ask, knowing that you're, you know, that you you you're uh, not on staff at some of these places, but that you <laughs> that you contribute, you know, to their publications. But uh, are are there places that uh, uh, exhibit movies here in New York that you find yourself going to, perhaps more than others? Well, I go to Metrograph a lot because mm-hmm. it's so Company close. Man. Ah! Company man. <laughs> well, because it's so close to where I live. Yeah, yeah. So it's like really convenient and they, they do have great programming. Um, you know, Film Forum, go there a lot. Mm. Um, obviously, Anthology. Yeah. Like that's like I can walk over there pretty much any time I want um, from it's like after work, like a little treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, you know, I have to do give I have to give a shout out to Film Society or Film at Lincoln Center. Yeah. Uh, they really do have probably like the best screen. And, you know, even though the the sound in Alice Tully Hall is not great, mm-hmm. uh, which diminishes the New York Film Festival experience. But <laughs> they're still great. Like they're, they, they do have great ambitious programming. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned anthology. This is one that I snoozed on for years. <sighs> it's only in the last maybe even in the last calendar year that I've gone that I've started going and now I can't get enough. Well, this is, I mean, there's an embarrassment of riches, yeah, right? It's true. Like there's so this, this is an unprecedented time, mm-hmm. right? To be in New York and have all the, I mean, again, it's not like it was in 1970 or whatever, but yeah, still sure. there's like an amazing, it's so accessible. And they're also, you know, it's usually, you know, you know, when it's 35 mm-hmm. as opposed to DCP, which is just like, totally. stay home, watch a fucking DVD, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just stream it. That's kind of my, that's kind of my, that's not my not great uh, take on that. Yeah. Um, no, no, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to pay for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, to bring up your, your, uh, to your magazine where you currently work is that uh, our guy uh, Scorsese wrote a, a one of the year ago maybe uh uh wrote a piece about like about the the film culture in manhattan that he kind of grew up around and yes. there was this it ended up i think the piece was about um what's this what's this name the, the Fellini. yes yes yes, Fellini, yes. Yeah. uh uh but it's like he, he's like it opens with him like walking through the like village and all the movie houses at that time and everything yes and uh obviously it's not quite like that but also a lot of those were one screen only and you know yeah. a lot of the places that we, we frequent have multiple and uh uh there you're right it is an embarrassment of riches there's plenty of places to go that are doing really interesting really interesting things also scorsese didn't mention this in the piece but there were actually bad movies yes back then <laughs> yeah. there's many people don't know this but <laughs> It was not invented in the, like, you know, post Jaws. They didn't come up with bad movies. Yeah. Um, but I will say, and this is, <laughs> this is like a funny trade secret. Oh, um, here we go. So we, you know, we posted the article, the Scorsese article online, and then we had a denial of service attack oh, really? from somebody who was clearly like, a Marvel person. Ah, I Which, see. again, and it was like, they were overloading the site, and the site went down. <clears throat> but basically, it was like a classic. I mean, he doesn't even mention Marvel in the piece. Not and once. someone just could not stand it. And I was like, I saw one of my coworkers was like, what do you think Captain America is going to smooch you for doing this? Like, what is, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Smarts are sazy. Leave him alone. But yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. 
Isn't it so, I mean, look, you can tell me to get off my soapbox if you want after this, but <laughs> isn't it so embarrassing that we're still talking about this? I know! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it is. It's still like an issue. And it's not like out of line that we're talking about. It. It's not like we're drudging up ancient history. It's like it's very, it's, a, it's, it's in a way more real than it's ever been the way that like they're choking off production at these places. But uh, yeah. it just, it depresses me so much that it's still like, we know the problem. You know what right. I mean? It's like. Everyone's known the problem for a long time. Right. And I think, you know, Scorsese made the point, perhaps not in that piece. Yeah. Don't take down the Harper's website. I don't want to deal <laughs> with that. Yeah, we're not uh, encouraging that. But, uh, you know, he said that the studios want to make a new type of cinephile. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are cinephiles like you and I. And this is not this is not expanding anything. Right. 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 This is not some inclusivity thing because... The Disney that wants to cast, um, you know, have a diverse cast is also the Disney that made Song of the South right. that reproduced all of these really nasty stereotypes for decades until mm. they were like, wait a minute, this is actually, we might be able to make money by showing a, a modicum of respect for, for people. But, you know, they, they want to make a different type of cinephile who, uh-huh. who are just into this superhero stuff mm. and that they just want to cut off. I mean, the, this was, again, this is getting really into the weeds. Sorry. Hey, that's but- okay. That's welcome here on Clear the Dance Floor on Radio Free Brooklyn. All right. Uh, well, the, I think after Disney bought Fox or after that merger happened, yeah. they stopped allowing Fox to rent prints mm-hmm. to repertory houses. And it's like, Ooh, why would you do that? I didn't know that. You're just being an asshole. Like, literally, they're just trying to, like, choke it off in, yeah. a, in a way that's, like, unnecessary. Huh. And, I mean, I think, you know, availability is such a huge issue um, you know, there are, there used to be a lot of different, um, more, there were more options for people all, all over the country. Right. And now I, I don't, I don't trust somebody who's interested in film knowing you should get a Criterion channel yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like you've put all the good movies onto one platform. Yes. And now someone who is maybe vaguely interested in that won't know unless they can pay $10 a month, which is right. fine. I'm not saying that's an un- ungodly amount of, you know, I'm glad the Criterion sure. Channel exists. Oh, same, but, same. But it's Happy like, four-year birthday, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, kind of segmenting stuff out has repercussions that it, I don't know. We'll see. Definitely. We'll see down the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, you have to know about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, the thing of, like, discovering uh, things, I feel like, is the, is the real battle. I mean, because yeah. once you're in, you can find, I mean... <laughs> You can yeah. porn stuff if you, <laughs> <laughs> you really need to, right? Uh, but but, yes. but you got to It's that first step that I feel like is being kind of choked yeah, off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's interesting about the prince, uh, though. That's like horrible, shady. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was. Isn't there also something? You might know more about this than me, but there's also something with the the DCP projections where like the files that they provide are like so encoded. Or something that like they can't like theaters can't even share them among themselves because yes. they're so af- afraid of them being copied. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, yeah, I yeah. Like each, each DCP my, has like yeah. a unique code or something, and yeah. like if you enter the wrong code, you get the wrong thing. Yeah, because I've definitely been at um, I was at some screening and they were playing a it was a French film, of course. <laughs> And they were playing it without the subtitles, and it was like they had the wrong key for the file. Right. right? So it was right. like. It's really obnoxious. Right. Thumbs yeah. down. Well, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, on the one hand, it's like the studios have so much to benefit from their movies being exhibited in these yeah. places, even if it's, you know, a 50 year old thing. But they're, 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 
you know, trying to push everything towards the streaming services because they want to make that business profitable. But now, and yet, now we're seeing this, like, this uh, complete reversal where, like, the movie theater chains are in trouble financially. So now it's like, wait, 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 we actually like that. You yeah. know, like, it's like, give me a break. Yeah, they really shot themselves in the foot. They did. That. They did. <laughs> Like, sorry, you need you do actually need people to be AMC club members. That's yes. actually vital to your survival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you do you get to the the Megaplex uh, uh, very often? Oh well, sometimes I'll write something for a sight and sound that is like only available mm-hmm. in like a giant theater. So yeah, I've definitely like hit up. You know, Forty Second Street, like oh, those yeah. giant. Those are like palaces, and I also feel I gotta admit. Um, there is some degree of bias because when I go in and I'm like on the cushiony chair and I can just lie back, I feel like I'm much easier on the movie. Uh, yeah. I'm much. And then, of course, like 14th, the you know, the one in Union Square, the Regal Union Square. Yeah. And then also the one like uh, up near Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. That one has a lot of stuff and it's like a giant weird yeah. palace. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy it. That that uh, that Regal uh, near Lincoln Center, I love so much. Or I did love it. And then I saw The Revenant there years ago. And that was, like you know, it's like in the reclining seats and you get all this room. It's like being first class on the plane. You <laughs> yes. Know? Uh, the guy next to me took his shoes and socks off. Oh, no. During the movie. And I truly don't even remember much about it. It's like what? so upsetting. There's a level of being too comfortable. Yeah. Here's the places. thing. Because that's not appropriate on an aeroplane. No. <laughs> it's not appropriate in the movie thing. And But let me say, Revenant, you didn't miss much. Okay, there was good, nothing. Good. It was like Tom Tom Hardy was doing like a weird accent, yelling about pelts. It was oh, very, right. it was yeah. cute. Oh, my God. The Revenant. <laughs> yes. It's the first time I've thought about that movie in God yeah, knows how Oscar long. winning film. That's true. <laughs> that was, was it Best Picture? Uh, I don't think so. No, Leo won Leo for won. Yeah, right. like riding a horse off right. of a cliff. Right. It was like Looney Tunes shit. Right. Like, it's unbelievable. That was the <laughs> climate change is real speech, right? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> if you're just joining us here on Radio Free Brooklyn, this is Clear the Dance Floor. I'm Colby Smith. My guest is Violet Luca, and our number is 718-673-8201. Uh, I'm going to change gears uh, ever so slightly. I'm going to ask for you uh, about some specific uh, uh, some specific people, filmmakers, writers, uh, otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and get your get your thoughts. Okay. okay, let's see how fast I can alienate people that <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I have to yeah. see all the time. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, uh, writers about film, uh, is Pauline Kale one for you? No, <laughs> she's very divisive. Still, <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Here's the thing about Kale. I resent that Roger Ebert took her mantle mm. of being America's film critic. Like, okay. I think that sucks. Yeah. Um, and that obviously, that has more to do with internet and rights issues. Like, a lot of libraries don't even have her books anymore. Yeah. And she, and all of her books are titled, like, I fucked at the movies. <laughs> you know, like, toe sucking at the movies. Like, all of there are these yeah. terrible, weird, gross puns. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't like her writing. But I still, like, I, I, I feel like, because she, she had such, like, a, sway and a mm. network like she would literally place paulettes yeah, yeah. into her followers into positions of power and there would be like this network and it's uh-huh. it's fucked up but it was also like 
not that it, not that just because a woman does something it's good, but it was cool that that oh sure happened yeah 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 totally. and then it's just Roger Ebert is just like being a sad blogger and then everybody I feel like the worst tendencies in American film criticism come from the worst parts of Roger Ebert, which I mean, is you know like the making way too much about yourself mm. kind of like leering and scolding you know nudity like there's this weird. Some weird stuff going on. So yeah. if you're going to ask me about Roger Ebert, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he was not on the list. But I'm glad that we could uh, get some pot shots in there because yeah. uh, it's it's <laughs> the funniest thing to me about him is really not even like it's definitely not his fault. But it's the fact that like his that it, it, it's, it's a cool idea to continue to make his website like a place for, <sighs> for other people to continue to write about movies because it did have this big audience, whatever. But it's whenever ads for movies like try and act like Roger Ebert loved this movie when it's like he's been dead for 10 years. I know. Like I, I listen. The, th- the thing is that I know a lot of people who write for that website. I have a great deal of respect for many of them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. But <laughs> <laughs> many of them. Uh, I think they're great. And But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It is like <laughs> fucked up that you're just like, oh, yeah, this dead man reviewed this movie. Like, it's it, like, please put the author's byline. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, so it's weird. It's, so, it's, it's like, it's like, here's the quote and then like dash Roger Ebert, then really small dot com. I know. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> yes, yes it's very silly it's very silly uh but anyway uh yeah no pauline kale i did you see that documentary that came out about her a couple yes. years ago that was not very good oh my god uh, her daughter is just cl- so clearly traumatized yeah oh yeah it's, could you imagine and they don't follow up on any of the stuff like all the things that are interesting about her i feel like are not in the movie right at all it's kind of just this this uh you know monument to how influential she was or whatever but it's like there are two things that i feel like i want to know more about uh with pauline kale number one is the like berkeley years where she's basically like the queen of this little scene like having movie screenings at her house and stuff and like all that stuff i think is so interesting and then the um, where she, she get Paramount later in life, where yeah, like Warren Beatty a, brings her out. Yeah, she has a weird interlude where she's actually kind of making movies, right? And then she like blows it somehow, right? Which I would again, I they just sort of gloss over that, yeah. And then it's just like Michael Schrag out talking about how great she was, and it's like, <laughs> all right, come on, I get it. Like yeah. the people who are going to see this documentary, like know this stuff. That's you know what I mean? Like, I mean, <laughs> I have this problem with so many documentaries where it's like, okay, you want to take. You want to do a nice little hagiography. Sure, okay. sure, sure. But could you have, like, <laughs> just, like, a little bit of information for somebody who's just, like, not, like, maybe they spent a minute Googling this person <laughs> before they went to see the movie. So you can you can get into some deeper stuff <laughs> or some moral complexity. Yeah. Because I think that's also key to sort mm. of interfacing with Kale. Yeah. Is that, um, I don't know. She was the she was the original Lena Dunham. She was the original like, flawed woman. Uh, it was just very off putting, but also very powerful. And I don't know. She's her her writing style just chased me. It's just overstuffed. Oh, yeah. It's you. You gotta be. You gotta be in. I mean, I think yeah. if you're in, you're probably all the way in. You know, because yeah. there is so much of it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> also the show a takedown, not great. <laughs> Oh yeah, hasn't aged hasn't aged well. That well, take. I know people hate it. like Homer, Jay Hoberman wrote like this amazing takedown of it in the Village Voice, and he I think it ends with some line that's like, uh, you know, could you imagine anti-Semitism at the New Yorker? 
And it's such a sick fucking burn. It's so <laughs> good. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> that rocks. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. That yes. sounds really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I really want to know what happened at Paramount. I feel like oh, yeah. it, there's no reason to still keep it secret. I'm dying to know. There was like some article a few years ago that went into some of it. But again, it would be so much more interesting to hear from other people. Yeah, Like absolutely. the uh, actual players. 100%. Like, yeah. Uh, just a real just a, a real shame. Real yeah. missed opportunity uh, uh, there. Um, next person. You ready for this? Okay. This is a guy who we've come... Uh, we've brought him up on the show a couple times uh, in the past several weeks. Orson Welles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I like Orson. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, not to love? <laughs> I know. I mean, like... Like... What he wanted It's All True to be mm-hmm. is so amazing mm-hmm. in that time. And also just, I don't know, why would you not like him? I know. I, I mean, Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. Like, I don't know. that That's like one of the posthumous releases where I'm like, okay, thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <is> cool. <laughs> I, I will just, I, if I'm like doing dishes or something, there are like millions of hours of his interviews oh on YouTube. I'll just... Put it on. Yes. It's the sonorous so voice. It, I mean, the voice is amazing. And there's truly just no, there is no subject on which he is not an expert or at least projects authority. You yeah. Know? Well, that, I mean, you know, F for fake in this persona oh of him being God. a magician. And yeah. like so much of that film is exactly that projecting this like authority. Yeah. And he, he clearly, he was like, I'm a bullshit. <laughs> Why are you listening to me? Yes. It has to do with the voice, but it's more than that. So it's, yeah, he's 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 great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in like the early period uh, of like the theater. Wells. Oh yeah, too, me too. Where he's yeah. just like this crazy radical, like like voodoo Macbeth. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. All exactly. that stuff. It's, All of it. It's so awesome. It's so inspiring. Yeah. He no, did it. I know. And again, it was like in this time where stuff like that was. It, it was not just sort of like. Not okay. It was mm-hmm. extremely not okay. Like sometimes I think because, and especially because we live in Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. We, it's easy to sort of see countercultural symbols or sort of like left leaning thought and be like, oh, that's kind of passe. And yeah, be like kind sure. of jaded by it. But to really go back and think about what it was like at the time, like, you know, staying up all night and smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and then going to sleep when everyone else is going to work, like that was something you were really fucking doing so yeah like you yeah, were yeah. you were on you're opposing yourself to every like 99.9 percent of society <laughs> right like doing all this stuff was it took a took a degree of innovation and bravery i don't think oh, it yeah. takes today and that's and honestly that's fine yeah <laughs> oh, for sure shouldn't, shouldn't everything shouldn't be hard but when you're thinking about these people right it's helpful to keep that in mind 100 yeah. I, I was thinking about that recently with uh um i i recently took a trip to uh tulsa to see the bob dylan center that opened <laughs> there uh <laughs> since we're talking about mid-century uh major <laughs> figures yes, yes um and it, when i got back we watched the the that PBS Masters documentary about him that Scorsese did again, oh, that No yeah. Direction Home. Yeah. And the thing that, the, that I, I'd seen it before, but the thing that it makes clear that it had been completely lost on me before that was like, it, it's a similar note to what you're saying is like the idea of like, just like going to New York and being a, a singer songwriter did not exist right. before that. Like he just ended up there and like found these people. And then like, that was the scene or whatever. Yeah. So like, it's not like what we have, what we're so used to now. It's just like, you know, you're a kid, you're growing up. You're like, maybe I'll be an artist. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because like, I know there are these, 
these uh, precedents or like these mm-hmm. points in history you could point to. Uh, but that just didn't. It didn't exist. No. Like he invented that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah, or even just sort of like being a Jewish kid from Wisconsin or, yeah. or Minnesota, 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 yeah. Minnesota, and um, changing your name yeah. and honoring <laughs> some dead English poet, and then singing like these gospels. That's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. That's crazy, We're, but he he made it look good. <laughs> totally. Well, it's taken for so much so so much for granted, you know, where it's yeah. like, oh, of course, it's like it was folk music. It was like popular. It's like not really. L- literally no. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. why they, that's part of the reason why they chose it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Anyway, yeah, Orson Welles, amazing guy, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, uh, love him to death. <laughs> Yes. Here's a, here's a more uh, uh, a more obscure one, uh, I guess. Uh, Joan Micklin Silver. Oh, I love her. Yeah, right. I love her. The the the. Oh God, no! I can't remember the 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 film she did where it's about working at the small alt weekly. Between the lines. Between the lines. Yes, I think that's probably the best representation of what it's like to work at a small publication. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the thing, it's weird because so much of the, like what's bothering the, the people at the paper then who include Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Young, yeah. Before he was like doing Jeff Goldblum. Um, they, they're, you know, they're, they're in service to advertising. They're worried about the paper folding. They have to really balance their desire for artistic creativity. They're also having sex with each other and yeah. there's all this, or they <laughs> had sex and they broke up. And like they're navigating all this stuff. And it's like, that is so, it's such an amazing, it's, it's, it's what every publication is like. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just sort of beautiful. It's, it's sad, but it's also kind of beautiful to see this document of, what that's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And because yeah. obviously, you know, every other movie about journalism is just like, oh, they're heroes. Yes. All, I mean, all the president's men, they do not mention that most of the stuff Woodward and Bernstein reported was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like that's a beautiful movie i enjoy it but it is it's a hagiography you know and obviously watergate was this huge turning point in american history but also like you don't you don't have to build them like again they're again it was the 1970s if you were gonna do a film about complexity in journalism that would have been the time um and then also that stupid the one about the pentagon papers that that was like uh the steven spielberg one oh yeah that was so what is that movie called and then, like Meryl Streep is like doing like a quirky the post, right? the, the post, post. yes, the post. yes, yes, yes. That was <laughs> that's kind of how she sounds exactly. You know, <laughs> that scene towards the end of the post where they're like on the phone and Tom Hanks is like, "We're gonna publish," and she's like, "Okay, publish." <laughs> Is so embarrassing to me. Well, yeah, because that's who the real hero is, the publisher. The publisher. Who, like, inherited it from her dead husband. Yes, yes. Who has no investment in this. What, like, she'll be fine no matter what, because she's, like, a billionaire. Right. Yeah, okay. Good, good call. Um, oh, it's so insane. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there is yes. a, uh, I, I think it was a TV movie that uh, is about the Pentagon Papers that's just called the Pentagon Papers that James Spader is in that is way more fun. Ooh. I mean, it's kind of what, like what, a, what era of James Spader? Uh, I want to say mid 90s. Oh, that's a, that's a good time. For yeah, James yeah, Spader. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not Blacklist, uh, James Spader. Yeah, <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh. <laughs> Man, the Blacklist is uh, incredible. Maybe there is good TV out there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe I take back what I said. <laughs> Look, you know, it's, a, it's another beautiful exercise. And, you know, I've seen various publications do this over time where they have a critic who kind of pans something or, you know, extolled its virtues just like unquestioningly yeah. go back and rewatch it and uh-huh. re-review it. And a lot – it is interesting to see people, you know – rethink what they thought and yeah. be like, well, yeah, you know, when Jaws came out, you know, Molly Haskell wrote about this. She actually wrote this book about, oh, man. Talk uh, about Spielberg, actual heroes, little, little queen. <laughs> um, well, oh, well, you, I was going to ask you about this. Didn't you interview her for the, the film comment podcast? Yeah, you she, guys was, were she was on, on a couple of times. Yeah. 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 yeah it was cool. Is she cool? <laughs> she's extremely cool. She's such, she's like a lovely, um, you know, lady from this house. Yeah. She's just so, she's so smart. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Interrupt uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote this book about Spielberg and she, you know, she was talking about it and she said, you know, I, when Jaws came out, I, it felt like the enemy. Right. Yeah. Like it's felt like the antithesis to everything. And now I go back and rewatch it and I see the virtues, mm-hmm. which is, I, and I think, you know, I wish more people would try that Yeah. again. But then there's also the problem. There's a constant flow of stuff. Yeah. There's the splat or a fresh tomato. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things that kind of force you to like dig your little place in the sand and mm-hmm. it's not. That's not cool. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I think it's there true. should there should be more room for equivocation and kind of like you know one hundred percent. Well, I mean, I, not to make yet another point that many before we have made, but like, I mean, like social media. I know that's <laughs> rewards are you know harsh yes. opinions, and yes. uh, we've all been brainwashed. Well, I don't know. It. Maybe social media is on the way out. It. I mean, <laughs> it could be. It could very well be. It's. <laughs> It, it ain't looking too good. It's, <laughs> it's really not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's... Jeez. <laughs> I mean, if Elon Musk destroys Twitter, that will be the greatest thing he's done for humanity. 100%. Like, uh, like forget the batteries. Don't talk to me about batteries. Like, this is this is truly uh, remarkable, what he's done. Yeah. And I think... I don't know. It's only going to continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man <laughs> loves to post and yet is terrible at posting. No the learning. greatest tragedy... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true well now this thing just really quickly this thing that they're they're uh they're they're like blocking Substack. yes on it it's just like come on well and then you can't like look up matt taibbi yeah. which is crazy <laughs> yeah and they also like in india literally kicked uh, uh, journalists off the platform. Right, like right. all of this stuff is just not holding. <laughs> it's like so it's crazy. again, it's he's. It's been less than a year, and he's already like, oh, here's a new form of verification mm-hmm. that shows that it's actually the person. It's like you just invented verification. Yeah, right, my yeah. dude. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's. I mean, I I do feel like this thing of like only people who pay for it will get on your feed from now on, or like starting whatever date. I mean, I that's going to be like a real big oh, yeah. exodus. Anyway. Of course. We're all rooting for the. <laughs> we run towards the bomb here. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> accelerationism. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, we're, you know, we have about 15 minutes left, so sure. I want to make sure I get to some of my other uh, cues here, which okay. is what was on your sight and sound ballot? Can you reveal? Oh. Are you allowed to reveal? Oh, I guess no, I should it, already, ask that. it already went up. Oh, it did. Okay. And I have Go. a hard time remembering what I put down. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one of my choices, Petite Mama was a sentimental choice yeah Uh, yeah. because i had gone on a second date to see it with somebody and we were just so overtaken with emotion 
that we left the theater. We were just like, we couldn't continue the date. And I was like, <laughs> this really beautiful thing. And then I, and then I was seeing this person for a while and then I ended things and I ended things before the ballot came out. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's very funny. But this is the thing. Like I wanted that, that, that degree of like, flexibility and right, sort of right. like it's because i think these lists can get really stagnant oh absolutely so. well i wanted to ask you so you're the only person I, I i can ask directly about this sure is when you're putting together a ballot obviously the lists are stupid and whatever yes but <laughs> do you feel like you have like knowing that like david thompson is out there and he's gonna put the lady eve on or whatever <laughs> you know do you feel like you have like like, does your list represent what you think are the unassailably 10 best movies? Or are you trying to inject a little life to the proceedings? Or some, some maybe some blend of both? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... I mean, again, I have no faith in the list concept. Right, but right. I do try to, you know, when I'm creating... When I did write these, I did want to sort of have, you know, political films that were engaging, that were formally interesting, mm-hmm. that are kind of doing something and... Then of course Yee Yee, which is just like legitimately great movie. Um, I saw that I saw that in a theater a couple of years ago, and I cried at the end because yeah. it was like the the little kid is doing like a funeral <laughs> offering, and I was like, oh my god, he's doing his own funeral in the movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I do I did try to sort of balance out like difficult movies uh-huh. because they they're, they deserve some love because again, it's like. Vertigo is going to be on there. So what the fuck do I need to put Vertigo on there? Vertigo. <laughs> well, I love Vertigo. And that's the thing. I'm not saying Vertigo's bad, but to, to each other. I definitely don't think it's bad. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Hitchcock by a mile. Oh, what's your favorite Hitchcock? I think it's Psycho. I think it's yeah. Psycho. I really think it's like the one that moves me the most. Oh, interesting. Or like does something. All right. I find him a little cold. TBH. Yeah, I mean that's his whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're right. I know I'm the problem. No, 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 no. I mean, I no, I, I Vertigo is my favorite just because of the dynamic between Scotty and Madeline. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, so mean, I, I was like, oh, like there's this moment right before the. Sorry if you haven't seen this sixty-year-old <laughs> movie. I'm gonna spoil it. Where he Scotty goes to hug her mm. right before. You know, the nun pops out of nowhere and she falls to her death. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. What an incredibly complicated, weird moment that is just unresolved. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. And also like the Bernard Herman score. Like there's so many parts of that movie that are great. And also as a woman, I'm like, ooh, I can't, yeah, you got to be careful. Be careful to Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, those those sequences are amazing. Yeah. They're unlike anything I've ever seen. Truly. Still, you truly. Know. Ugh. Yes. Okay, I might be back in on Vertigo. Ah! All, all it needed was that little bit of that, like, his you green... You just need the slightest his, bit of pushback. Yeah, his green face, like, floating oh, in and out. God, I yes. love that stuff. So good. Oh, man, I love it. Uh, uh, well, that's great, yeah. Uh, one, um, how do you feel about North by Northwest? I'm not crazy about it. Me neither. I want to like it so bad. It's like his James Bond movie. I, it is, it literally is. <laughs> but I like, um... Uh, Strangers on a Train. Oh, yeah. That like is that such so much more engaging. Um, parts of the 39 Steps, mm-hmm. Suspicion, Notorious. Oh, yeah. Like, those, those, are, those are great. Yeah, um, yeah. The 40s ones. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I feel like I, 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 was, I was wrong about this prediction, but when Mank uh, came out, oh, yeah. I predicted that the 70s were out as like the cool decade to be into and the 30s were on the climb, and I could not have been more wrong. Well, about- well, I mean, 
That movie is so strange because it has such like a 90s feeling it to really it. It really does, yeah. Because I think his dad wrote it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, again, going back to Pauline Kalis, it's like this thing that was roundly debunked, this yes. thing that is just not true. You're being like, actually, the real hero. Yeah, yeah. Mank. Yeah. And then it just, it was also just a terrible movie. It looks so cheap. It really did, it yeah. Was such, and it's not like I have... I have complicated feelings about Fincher, but that was mm. like a legitimate letdown. Yeah, yeah. So. Were there movies from the last year or so maybe that you really enjoyed, or whether it was a trip to the movies or something you streamed or, or saw a screener of? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Well, I like I said, Petite Maman, that was probably oh, the pinnacle. Oh, of course, pinnacle. you just said. That was probably <laughs> yeah. the pinnacle. But I'm trying to think there's, I mean, it's, it's interesting getting back into the movie-going habit mm-hmm. after covid um and then also just sort of like reintegrating it into my life but the thing that i streamed that absolutely changed my life was the russian version of war and peace oh the like uh, massive like many hour oh wow yes 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 and like it's crazy to watch it because it's first of all it's like formally incredible yeah the actor uh the actor like uh, the director is just doing these amazing things. And then they also got like the Red Army yeah. to be extras. They, <laughs> the Red Army learned Napoleonic era movements. And then there's just these insane shots where it's just like you can never like the the it, it was just beautiful. It yeah. was transcendent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not not like a huge Russian literature head, not because I'm opposed to it, but I just, it's something I haven't got into <laughs> no, no, yet. Same. It just hasn't found me yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not in that phase, but it was, it was so incredible. Yeah. So incredible. Oh my God. See, that's what, so, so Lincoln Center did, they, they yes. screened all of it uh, years ago now. Uh, yes. But I remember being like, now that would be a fun thing to do if I just had, you know, an entire weekend of oh no obligations, God. you know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, That's- I mean, there are, there are things like, I don't know how you feel about stuff like that, where it's like, it's the, the length is part of the, part of the, the, uh, barrier for a lot of uh, people. Oh, yeah. There are things like that where I'm just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit through your long movie. Fuck, you can't tell. Like, <laughs> oh. Oh, Belatar, you think you're hot shit. Well, guess what? I'm going to spend eight hours with it. Yeah, truly. I'm not going to miss a beat. <laughs> That's how I was. The first time I went to anthology was to see Chelsea Girls. The oh, yeah. Andy Warhol thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, it's so boring, but it's like also so beautiful. And I would, yeah. but I did have this attitude of being like, 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 <laughs> well, no, because there was, back, I'm ready. Like, <laughs> do you remember Christian Marclay's The Clock? You know, I do. Yeah. I mean, because so, I, I think it, there but, was uh, like there there was like some people who were writing about it had kind of like this icky machismo, like the mm-hmm. like what you're saying, but like not cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like in Thank a way that was like extremely, a distinction. Yeah. No, but it was like it was it made me not want to see it. Yeah. 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 And also, I don't know. I just whatever. It's fine. There are yeah, other no, experimental sure. movies I can check out and enjoy <laughs> yeah absolutely i i feel like i, I i'm only like just kind of getting there like hitting up spectacle and places like that yeah, yeah really yeah. and i mean anthology is a great a great uh resource for that kind of stuff too absolutely yeah they have the um essential cinema series which i think it's is just the coolest great. and it's free for members I know. it's like oh my it's this the is best just an deal. anthology yeah. i guess so I'm i happy. guess so I'm it's like the best deal as far as the like uh, uh memberships uh go yeah um yeah sometimes i think I have too many memberships <laughs> <laughs> to cultural institutions uh, in the city. Well, <laughs> art overrated. Yeah. You should you should get into something more serious like 
financial planning, yeah, you're social right. media planning, yeah. these, these things that are definitely have a AI. AI. Yes. I'm pivoting AI. AI. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, truly could not be more bored by AI. Oh my God, I know. It's just not, because I mean, Okay, so here's here's the part where I plug my book. So I'm writing a book. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I'm writing a book about David Cronenberg and I'm using this sort of Jungian lens to approach the films. Obviously, Cronenberg did uh, A Dangerous Method, which mm-hmm. is all about Jung and Freud and their split. Um and also a patient of his that was incredibly important to his the development of Jung's method. Um but you know, the thing when you start looking at – because what, what attracts me to this Jungian perspective is that it's it's so different from everything else. It's just mm-hmm. sort of so outside and there's like some mystical bullshit in there, which is like cool and I'm yeah, into yeah. it. Um, but the thing that you realize sort of looking at AI is that – or looking at things with a psychoanalytic perspective is that you – like so much of what we do – has no meaning, that mm-hmm. it's ambivalent and we act on things that we don't understand. And that's what makes like these higher functions of consciousness, like what even ish consciousness, so difficult to re- replicate mm-hmm. because you can, you can teach this AI, like all of the things that kind of make us human are things that AI cannot do right. by, by right. definition. And so it's just like, I don't know, you just want like, no, you want to you want us to write a cover letter for you, <laughs> or it's like some bullshit. Like you want to like again. It's just it's not. It's like a little. It's like a party trick. Truly, yeah. Um, great segue to talk about your book. <laughs> um, what where uh where did the idea come from? Is this uh you've always been into Cronenberg or uh, yeah, yeah yeah actually the first time I submitted a list to Sight and Sound I included mm. uh, Videodrome. Oh yeah, because yeah. I mean I love I love that movie. Um, and I actually I took him off. No disrespect to David, I just was like, all right, something else should go. In. Full disclosure, he's no longer. <laughs> he's no longer on the ballot. Quote unquote, my guy. <laughs> but no, so the, you know the publisher approached me to sort of work on this project. It's part of this series that um, people are familiar with. Adam Naiman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written a couple of, in this series where it's about they're they're like beautifully designed right. smart books. So it's like. Paul Thomas Anderson, the Cohen brothers. Uh, there was just one by Karen Han about Bong Joon Ho. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 kind of like exploring these um, safe auteurs. Right. <laughs> we'll also, get to like, the cool. dangerous ones <laughs> soon enough. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's so exciting, though. Yeah. Uh, do you have a timeline for when we can expect that, or just kind of stay tuned? Um. So, so I think. Uh, I think. I think it'll be like in the catalog. It'll be like next spring. Okay. I think in the next spring, but it's yeah. So I know when my due date is. <laughs> And uh, not unlike a birth, you don't want to go over the dude. Right, right. <laughs> right. It's going to be painful. <laughs> well, that rocks. That you. So, did you? Uh, um, whenever Roxy Cinema did their big Cronenberg thing oh, last yeah. year, did you uh, just like hit up a bunch of those and no. get inspiration? Oh no, no, no. I mean, I've just been like mainlining them at home. Yeah. Um, because again, like when you are writing about when you're writing a damn book about something. <laughs> First of all, it's you versus you, just like any other writing. But, you know, there, there you have to acknowledge there's a limit to what you can know, but then also you can c- 
counteract that with just repeatedly watching the movies. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would love if any uh, uh, New York theaters would like to screen any Cronenbergs again. Love that. I'll be there for it. But yeah, I just missed that series, which sucks because I saw, you know, obviously I loved, um, oh no, no, I can't remember the name. (laughs) (laughs) The one he just released. God damn it. Oh man, I can't either. Ah! (laughs) I'm going to look it up. Vigo is transcendent. Um, uh, Let's see if you can get it before I can no, type him into a. Uh, see, I didn't eat enough before I came. <laughs> <laughs> Crimes of the future. Crimes of the future. Yes, the first, the first, you know, the first iteration of that movie is not good. Like, don't mm. don't bother to watch the first version. It's not very good. But the, like that one was like incredible. That yeah. was like one of the great. Again, another great. Yeah. Film going experiences of the past year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what you're setting yourself up for now after the book comes out is now anytime somebody screens a Cronenberg movie and they want somebody to do an intro, they're going to be like, well, we got to get violent on, you know. (laughs) 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 But you'll be like Mark Harris, where just like every time someone screens a uh, Mike Nichols, he's like, well, I guess I got to go to. I gotta go to film for him again. They're doing carnal knowledge. Look, look, I'll be happy. Yeah. I'll be happy to be like, all right, so this. Tell me, veg. This is what you gotta look right. for. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're uh, we're all out of time for the show. Oh Violet. my god, we gotta go. Oh, I know. Well, this flew this flew by. It this really so did. I, thank you so much for coming. It was so fun to talk about your your work and your and hear what's coming down the pike and all that yeah. stuff and and uh, <laughs> make fun of Roger Ebert a little bit. <laughs> the, the circle of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people can can I guess follow you on Twitter for updates about the book and everything else you got going on, and yes. they can hear you hosting the Harper's podcast. That's right. W- who's on the show this week? Well, I actually went down to um, the Manhattan. You know, courthouse where where there were protesters. Um, so I talked to Jeff Charlotte. I did like a straightforward uh-huh. interview with Jeff Charlotte, who wrote this book about this deeply researched book about um, Trump supporters and conservatives across the country. And then I also went down to the Manhattan courthouse oh. and I interviewed um, the tourists and the um, pro and con Trump demonstrators oh wow so that i have to like work on that a bit but that will be coming out <laughs> to be you in what audacity you use audacity <laughs> no 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 <laughs> hey man i'm i'm on audition <laughs> hey yeah that's awesome <laughs> well thank you again for coming this yeah. was such a pleasure this is so fun and uh folks should continue listening to radio free brooklyn uh two thumbs undecided is coming up in mere minutes uh and in the meantime this has been clear the dance floor with me your host colby smith of radio free brooklyn independent listener supported radio check us out online at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and keep that dial tuned. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye.